everybody, and welcome again to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard, and joining me is none other than Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger, like we do every week for you folks. Uh, got a good one. Now, LSU baseball kicked off their season this weekend uh, and did so in good fashion, completing a sweep over uh, Western Michigan. We got that for you. Um, we got some men's and women's basketball to report on uh, some other stuff too. It was a, it was a pretty good weekend uh, around LSU mostly, but you know, just in, in tiger sports in general. And I don't know if, uh, if anyone is able to watch any of it, but the, the XFL kicked off this weekend as well. I was able to watch a little bit of it. So I, I had some takes. I don't know if you guys did, or if you still had takes regardless, but uh, there's that as well. So I don't know whatever else, comes our way also it's it's like the the last stages of mardi gras right tomorrow's fat tuesday so it is yeah um i know the tigers had some king cake like before they finally finished their uh, off-season workouts but um i don't know i haven't had any this year uh before we get into all that you know and talk about king cake and other uh irrelevant stuff how you guys doing Doing good. Good to be with you. Um, man, got to watch some LSU baseball this weekend, and it was a uh, nice, uh, yeah, like a nice exhale um, <laughs> after kind of, you know, holding your breath since the bowl game. And, uh, man, we look good. I love love seeing everybody playing. Um, you know, pitching's looking good. Fielding's looking good. The bats are on fire. Um, so good way to kick off the season. Glad to be here to talk with you. Yeah, doing just fine. I um made a poor decision and went back to the well and watched LSU basketball against South Carolina. Cause I was like, maybe this will be the time to get a win. And like, we'll discuss that didn't happen. So that was a little bit sour, but yeah, baseball was fun. Um, people were showing up at the box, even with the, the Mardi Gras festivities and, and all that going on. Uh, so it was good to see uh, as well as the on-field product living up to the number one billing, which we've stayed at for, for week two. So hopefully they can keep that rolling uh, going into next week against some, some more stiff competition. Uh, but yeah, glad to have a, a new sport on the docket in Baton Rouge uh, for us to to talk about. Amen. And um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's just the opposite ends of the spectrum. LSU basketball literally cannot buy a win at this point. LSU baseball, on the other hand, um, you know, did a uh, clean sweep, and it was there was only one game that was really close. It was the second one; they won five to three. But I don't, I don't think the Tigers were really in danger of losing any of these. But it was, it was just nice to see, you know, put the product on the field to see what uh, Jay Johnson goes with. He, of course, started with uh, Paul Skeens on Friday. Uh, then he went. Um, I mean, he. I don't know. That's that's as good as a an outing as you could ask for from a tiger pitcher first time out actually um going with uh five scoreless innings and like 12 k's uh and then the tigers did their part on the offense Uh, i don't know what we were going to expect this weekend like i I wasn't going to expect like a bunch of 14 and 20 something run games from the tigers i mean we we feel like our offense is definitely strong although it was good to see some good pitching but um i don't know it's I, I I feel good after what we saw, and what else could you ask for for the first weekend? Absolutely. The only thing that I just I I, I was watching. I'm like, man, we look good. Man, this is great. Look at Dylan Cruz, more cruise missiles. Look at Tommy Tanks. He's take he's going yard, all this kind of stuff. But I feel like we've been here before. 
you know, first week, <laughs> who knows what happens, but uh, you can't, you can't help but be excited, especially now you're right, Scott. I feel like the pitching did look even better than maybe it has in the past years in the opening games. Like even in like, you know, I think it was two years ago, we played the air force to start off and like, we won and we and we put up some great runs, but the pitching did, you know, it was like we were we were kind of they were they were hitting us a little bit. Um yeah. Western Michigan, I mean, they they put up a few runs, but especially in that first game, I mean, 10 nothing, like you know, no earned runs at all. That's you can't you can't really that that's dominant mm-hmm. on both sides. Yeah. Yes. Um Skeens lived up to the the billing of the true ace. In the first game, he went six innings, let up three hits, and uh, struck out 12. So 12 strikeouts in six innings, like that's one-of-one uh, one behavior, and that's what we expected. Actually, transferring from Air Force, like you mentioned, Tommy. And then we we thought, or I thought we were going to see some of Thatcher Hurd. Um, it's kind of like the second starter, but he didn't make an appearance all weekend, which is kind of strange. And I'm not sure if Jay Johnson has, has talked about that whether because he he was out all last year with an injury at UCLA and then came in was supposed to be good to go. Um, but we didn't see him, which is a little bit weird. And so they, they started Riley Cooper in the second game and he was uh, he actually threw real well is also six innings, um, like seven strikeouts. And then as soon as they handed the ball off to somebody else, uh, that's when Western Michigan got their runs. And th- that was actually the game that I watched the most of on Saturday uh, so Cooper was looking good, big boy on the mound, mm-hmm. and and then and he was a guy who was in the pen all last year. Yeah, so so that's good to see him step up and and go. Uh, yeah, six innings and a little bit of distance. He probably could have gone more. He was still striking people out even when they they pulled him. Uh, but they probably didn't want to waste arms on Western Michigan when you got other guys to to try out. Uh, on Sunday, they kind of did the classic pitching by committee, which unfortunately we've seen all too much of in the last couple of years. So maybe slightly, I mean, everybody did their job, but kind of slightly concerning that we didn't really have a third uh, long starter ready to rock. And then with four games coming up this week, that'll be another test of our, our pitching depth. So hopefully we can see some more names come out of the pen uh, and Thatcher heard if he uh, can make an appearance also. Yeah. And uh, Jay Johnson actually did say something about him. He, I, I guess the simplest way I could put it just from, you know, paraphrasing was like, he's not where we want him to be quite yet, mm-hmm. more or less. So it's like these, these definitely got potential. They definitely want to play him, but uh, I don't know, I guess, I don't know if it's still lingering with the injury or if it's just, you know, they, they just want him to be a certain way. Um, well, and and I'm, I'm, I looked it up. Uh, I was looking at it actually earlier today. Um, like they have him as a, pro- at least the advocate has him as a projected starter for Tuesday against Southern. I wonder if it's kind of like, you know, like in the majors when they do those, I mean, not to say that Southern is a simulated game, but you know how when, when they come on, when these pitchers come off of, off of major injury and they've been out for a long time, you know, you're not going to throw them in the season opener. You know they'll they'll work you work you up to that point. So I wonder if it's more of a rotational thing, where they don't want to get him kind of trapped in a in the rotation where he has to pitch on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, you know, whereas like we can let's let's keep him at midweek, let him rest, and he and you know basically playing games that it's not that they don't matter, but they're not going to count as much, especially in the in the real heat the season as much as like the the weekend sec games are um and then uh, and then once he once he gets to the way like you said the way that jay johnson wants him you flip him with you know you you flip him around with riley cooper and then you're in real good shape mm-hmm. 
An- another positive thing uh, from this weekend of baseball is I think the defensive effort behind the pitching zero errors the whole week or whole weekend. That was something that plagued us last year. Basically every single game we were due for at least like two errors. And obviously it's not, this is Western Michigan. It's not Ole Miss or, or Vanderbilt hammering the ball back at you, but yeah, it's good to see. And something I'm, I'm sure Jay Johnson had worked on a lot in the off season. Uh, and we, we rotated a lot of guys out both in the infield and outfield uh, getting reps um, all across the board. There was only, Basically, I think the only people who were like stuck the whole time were Dylan Cruz, uh, Gavin Dugas, Jordan Thompson, and like Trey Morgan, pretty much. And even them, I think, shuffled a bit. Uh, so, yeah, um, good defensive effort. Although uh, third baseman Tommy White, who's Tommy Tanks, like you mentioned, he got hurt in the first game and uh, didn't play the rest of the weekend. So hopefully he can get healthy and come back in after a, a promising start. We got a good hit right off the rip in the first inning. Yeah, and it's so unfortunate because right after he got that rip, he just went out the next play. They were just throwing to first, and his his shoulder got jammed. I, I think it just got you know it popped out of place or something. I, I guess this happens to people, and you know they they popped it back in. So I think they just held him out, out of caution. I mean, it's Western Michigan. Why force it if you don't have to? You know, like you said. But it, it was unfortunate because it's like he let off his career to LSU with a with an RBI single. You know, he just. You, you want to see what else, but I guess we can wait because if anything, LSU has depth. And I think, you know, what you're saying about who we, you know, we didn't see this weekend as far as pitching goes. Yeah. I don't know. I think we will though. Right. Like Gavin Dugas didn't, didn't start, or I don't even know if he played in the first game, but they brought him in the second game. Boom. Hit a home run. Then in the third game, boom, hit a home run. So he's like, he was what six of eight for the weekend. So I, I don't know. I think Jay Johnson just wanted to start who he wanted to start. So I think at this point, he's just going to see how the team molds. Right. No, I agree. I think, and I think talking about like kind of uh, substitutions and, and things to watch. I saw a lot of Gavin Gidry, true freshman middle infielder. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's something he was a, he was, I think he was the top player in Louisiana, um, highly recruited uh, shortstop out of, uh ash is that right i think he's out of ash um anyways or is he out of lake charles anyway well regardless he's a highly recruited shortstop and he um i remember when he signed jay johnson which kind of went out on a limb and said this is the kind of guy you want to build a program around which that's that's high praise you know for a for a true freshman who's never stepped on uh never stepped on the field before um but obviously he hasn't you know, uh, fallen off the radar of Jay Johnson and others, you know, getting a lot of pinch inning. Um, I look for him to, to, you know, maybe to almost play like a, a role, you know, maybe like what Mikey Mato did in his freshman year where, um, you know, really came in and filled in a lot. And then when it, when a guy got injured, comes in and becomes the electric bat that, that we needed and kind of never, you know, never ran away with, or never gave up the spot, the, his position. But, uh, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And true freshman Paxton Kling got a lot of playing time too in the outfield. Uh, he was also like, I think he might've been one of the highest rated high school recruits who came to college and didn't go pro. Uh, he got the the long flow a la Dylan Cruz in um, his first year. So yeah, he had a couple, uh, didn't play super great at the bat, but yeah, hopefully he can step up too. And we got youth for, for the next couple of years after this kind of generation moves on. So yeah, Jay Johnson doing well on the recruiting trail as, as well in baseball. 
Yeah, and hopefully white should be fine. I mean, success breeds success. So that's kind of why you want the you want the men's basketball team to at least like I don't know finish above five hundred. But we'll see how that goes. But I mean, as far as the Tigers go, uh, plenty to look forward to. Something to plenty to build on. Like, I mean, I know Chase Shores was pulled after like three and a third, but I mean, he was he was still doing okay at that point. He only had two hits. One earned run, couple strikeouts, but then when uh, Ty Floyd came in, he just kind of kind of shut it down. So you know you might see Ty Floyd starting next Sunday. You know I, mean, he, I don't know. I think Jay Johnson's like I said, he's got so much depth. He he can probably do what he wants at this point. He has you know a few weeks to figure it out before we hit that SEC grind. But um, yeah, it was interesting to see. Oh, there's what like there was like seven teams from the SEC in like the top ten. Um, you know, some lost yeah. this week, most, most won, but you know, it's going to be a meat grinder again. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's like, you think about last year with what Ole Miss winning and then the year before with, with Mississippi state, like, um, I, I don't think there's any, I don't think you could, uh, I don't think there's any dumb money being put on the SEC. Like whatever, whatever school you want to pick, you know, take one out of the jar, pick a pick a name out of a jar, and you <laughs> probably got a decent chance of a of an Omaha winner. Mm-hmm. And before we even get to the SEC schedule, they got some pretty tough games this week in the the Round Rock Classic uh, in, in Texas. They're playing Kansas State, Iowa, and then Sam Houston State, who I think is actually pretty good for a, a smaller school. Um, that those all come after the the midweek game against Southern. People are actually kind of hyping up the Southern game a little bit because they're ranked number one for like HBCUs in baseball, which is kind of interesting. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I went to an LSU versus Southern baseball game at the box last year, and LSU kind of dominated them. But it's still fun because uh, their fans will show up too across town. So, uh, yeah, ex- excited to see against the the D one competition, Kansas State and Iowa, and and then also next Tuesday. Well, I mean, we'll talk about that on the next podcast, but we got a big matchup in Austin against UT. It's Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people are going to be showing up for that one and uh, excited to see, cause um, not, not bad blood between the two schools, but uh, just a little bit of rivalry. You always want to beat Texas. Yeah. What's their, what are, the, are they, what are they ranked right now? I'm not sure that they're even ranked. Um, yeah, really? I think they lost, I think they lost uh, one or two this weekend. Oh, dang. Okay. I think they were preseason ranked, though. Is that right? Sure. Sounds. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Last year, they were the preseason number one, and they fell a lot like over the course of the season. Yeah. Um. So maybe kind of ringing a bell on that. I think that, and then I think also because A and M is five. I think that was what I kind of I kind of mm-hmm. had last year and and A and M in my mind as far as ranking. But um, what matters is LSU is still number one. So yeah, and but, uh, Tennessee Tennessee was right behind us, but they actually lost twice. Once to Arizona. Wants to Grand Canyon State University. So uh, I don't know. It's just interesting, you know. Um, I don't know. They lost some guys. So it'll be interesting to see that that program sustains or or what. But I did want to ask you about this, ask you guys about this, because I, I saw it brought up elsewhere. I think it was Mikey Mato, now that you mentioned uh, one of you mentioned him earlier. He was like he was talking about, you know, just the environment at the stadiums in these SEC games? Like, I, I don't know. It's like LSU used to be the creme de la creme. I think they are, they still are like numbers wise with attendance. Yeah. But it's like the environment at the box is not what it is at these other stadiums. You know, like doesn't Mississippi state, they have like 
condos in the back. Ole Miss yeah. has the whole beer shower. Like other schools have, they've they've put. You can tell they put effort and investment into their outfields, and mm-hmm. they've made it a little bit more student inclusive versus family. I was just curious what you guys thought about that because I'm like, you know what? You go to the box and there's history there, but to be honest, you know that history is kind of far separated from current times. Um, I mean, the last time we won was what 2008 or so. So I, I don't know. Um, do you think LSU should change up what they do in the outfield, like give it to the students, or have some? I don't know. You know, like some sort of something else out there. So I think yeah, you bring a good point. This is something I've actually heard Mato talk about a lot um, on different shows and everything. And and I and from what I've always heard and. and it makes sense to me. And I think it's, I think in some ways it's a selling point. In other ways it does, you know, you get kind of the negative. I've always heard that the bo- the new box, and then we're talking about like, the, you know, the, the, the current box, not the old one, um, which was renovated. I think it was renovated in 2011 was when it opened. Or it opened, opened in 2009. It was uh, uh, more seats got put in 2012. I just looked it up. Oh, okay. 2012 is what, okay. That's when the seat, okay. Anyways, but with the new box, I've heard that, that it's, a, that it's a lot more comparable to a pro park from the player perspective, from the fan perspective, um, which I, I kind of agree with. And I think you're right, Scott. I think that leads it to be maybe what you could say a little bit less student, a little bit less um, rowdy. Um, I, I, I think that that that's good in some ways, because I, I think that, you know, it's, as LSU being one of the pipelines to the major leagues, that's kind of and with the way that the facilities are, especially with like the hitting facility underneath the um, or attached to like the out, you know, underneath the stands in the outfield and everything like that, the locker rooms. Um, I think that's our clubhouse. That that's kind of what is like a selling point for these guys who are going to go pro. But I do think that there's something to be said for you know maybe changing things to make it a little bit more of a of a. Uh, a fun, you know, trying to trying to emphasize the more fun because it is. It, I'm not going to say it feels corporate, but when you go to the box and Daniel, I mean, I know you went last year. I went last year. Um, it is pretty, you know. It's not like Tiger Stadium. Like at Tiger Stadium, you kind of walk around wherever you want, and you know, people are kind of on top of each other, and especially in the student section, the, it's not like that at the box. No, it's kind of spread out and flattened a little bit. I guess you could say, especially towards like the outfield lines and then in the outfield itself and the sections are a lot more rigid i feel like yeah because there's a pretty distinct difference between the bench sections and like the the chair backs and that's something that a lot of people have called for is like complete chair back renovation and not so much the benches um but another thing is uh the kind of main student section is like the the deck and the outfield like underneath the scoreboard and that spot gets you hit you get hit right in the face with the sun in the afternoon mm. and the evening and especially as the season wears on it's very hot right there and you're <laughs> kind of blinded the whole time so it's not exactly the most enjoyable experience when you can't see and you're you're about to melt into your chair uh which is not a chair back um so i understand people not showing up uh for that but i mean people still come and back to the original point it, it may be getting to the point where we need some more renovations I think, yeah, these new school, not new schools, but new stadiums at other schools like Mississippi State and Arkansas and, and Vanderbilt, they've invested a lot in the last few years kind of building up and in. And it's almost like putting the fans like on top of the field. Yeah. Um, and then that's the kind box, of the trend. Oh, go ahead. And the box kind of slopes gradually outwards, which kind of pulls the fans away from the experience. You're not as intimidating and kind of right on top of it. 
Um, not that I've been to all these ballparks, but that's kind of what people say. Uh, so you you can't change that too easily, but I'm sure that discussions are happening internally on kind of maybe how they can improve overall in the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, maybe you put the student section behind the visitor's dugout. (laughs) If you don't give them the outfield, uh, give them, give them something where they can, you know, maybe a effect because that's, that's the whole point of having fans there is to have like a home field advantage. So Great. we'll see. Uh, but other than that, I mean, uh, just a, a great environment still and a great outcome this weekend. As you say, we got Southern and then the, the tournament next weekend. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who Jay Johnson schedules. I imagine he's going to stick with uh, Skeens and Cooper for one and two. And uh, I guess we'll see about game three. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't expect Hurd if he if he does indeed start on Tuesday, then he he wouldn't you know he wouldn't start Sunday. But um, right, you know maybe we could see him going into the next uh to that to the next weekend series. That'd be kind of something mm-hmm. to watch for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then you know there's I, I think they lost a pitcher also because of a an injury right before who yeah I don't know if he was necessarily going to start, but he was you know it was you know it's a it's a it's a valuable pitcher. Um, and then now for the season, that, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, and then there was somebody else. Oh, God, I forget his name. He was there last year. Who we 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 thought he did really well. Uh, I mean, he's still there in the mix. We just, you know, we didn't see him this weekend. I, I don't think. But uh, Coleman, David Coleman. Oh yeah. Uh, so he's you know I, I think there's guys we still have to see that maybe it's like if if you do have like obviously two solid starters and like three. All right, we'll, we'll see. You know he. When do you play the three? I guess Sunday, Tuesday, and whatever. But um, good weekend from them. Good weekend all around, like I said. Women's basketball won. Softball won. Uh, the gym, you know, the, the gymnastics team had an upset against Florida. Uh, golf won. Women's swim team won. And I think they set a record in a relay in an SEC match. Um, uh, what was the, uh, the sprinter at LSU last year? Uh she won, like she set a Sh- world. Shikari Richardson? No, 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 no. Oh. Um, oh, so I was hoping Daniel might know it. Uh, no, it's, I, I know the headline you're talking about, Scott. I heard about that. But I can't. I'm, I'm googling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so yes. Anyway, she like <laughs> she set the the fastest U.S. time for like the sixty yard dash. Um, I, I know her name. It's off the tip of my tongue. It's like it starts with the L. I thought. Anyway, so where's that? And then, you know, unfortunately, men's basketball lost. But I, I think at this point, you know, it's, it's kind of a it's an afterthought. So um, otherwise, all in all, good, a good weekend for for sports. Um, yeah. And then you also I, had the XFL. Or were you okay. say? I was just going to say, like, I, I feel like for me, baseball was a huge, just a, a big pick me up. That's, uh-huh. you know, I've been kind of down on LSU sports since uh, since, the you know, the end of football in this in this the way this uh, basketball season has been going, but the baseball, go check it out. It's it's uh, it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to to harp on the basketball too much, but uh, the the losing streak is fourteen. I'm not in- entirely sure what the longest losing streak in LSU basketball history is. I know in 2016 uh, we lost quite a few. I think it was around the same amount, but there's four regular season games left plus the SEC tournament, so we have the potential to lose up to 19 in a row. 
and that would be a pretty impressive mark. And so now we're <laughs> everybody's commenting on the line that LSU basketball is tanking for the number one pick in next year's draft. <laughs> which they just need I to wish, tell somebody needs to tell uh, Matt McMahon that's not how it works. <laughs> I know I wish it were true. The only players we're tanking for in our recruiting are like a couple of two point five stars. stars. <laughs> um, so the, the outlook isn't much better for next year. Uh, the the women are, are good at least. I'm glad they bounced back with two wins after the loss to South Carolina. So they're still on track for a number one seed in the tournament if they can keep that alive. So uh, good on them. And LSU basketball chalked up Matt McMahon's seat even hotter. Um, a lot of discussion about his buyout being like $14 million. So people are saying that LSU can't even fire him until like year three or something, which is kind of disappointing. Not that I'm saying he needs to go <laughs> right now, but uh, kind of – all signs It'll just call for this direction. man's job. <laughs> and, I mean, it's some, people were, some people are calling for Scott Woodward's job now. I was like, if you if you hire this guy and he's so bad that it, it traces back to you, um, I, I don't know if you can make that correlation. But uh, considering he had success with Kim Mulkey and Brian Kelly and, and Jay Johnson, seems to be doing pretty well. Also, uh, so one bad one bad egg isn't the end of the world. Um, I guess we'll see how that story plays out over next year's basketball season. And Durant. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, just from what you you've if you've watched any of the games this year, I, I don't know. It's just it's definitely uninspiring. But it's like they, there's also like that game against um, what was it? They there was one that they lost in the last seconds. Like they had the lead and they lost it, and then they there was still like four seconds left on the clock. Was this was this Missouri or um, South Carolina? No, it wasn't South Carolina. It was the one before that, and they they turn the ball over on the inbounds pass. So yeah. it's like, they're just, they're not careful with the ball. So I'm wondering like whatever he had working at, uh, you know, at Morgan state or whatever. Uh, I don't know. It's just, maybe it's not translating. Maybe it's just the, the athletes in the sec or I don't know. He's got to try something different, but hopefully they get it figured out. Uh, we're not going to be dancing this year. Uh, probably not going to the NIT either. So. So there's that. Well, there's that. But, Scott, the XFL. The XFL kicked off. So I was able to see a little bit of it. Sorry, you guys weren't. I mean, it's it, it, it had this is pretty much its second go around, basically under the supervision of The Rock. Um, but it's only eight teams. They each play 10 games. Uh, you know, it's going to be a quick season, which is great. Um, and I don't know. I mean, the, a lot of the rules are the same. Some are different. Um, I don't know, but it's, I, I don't know. It's just from what I saw, it's, you know, it's, it's football. It's entertaining. It's a lot of names you've actually heard from before coaches, players like yeah. AJ McCarron was one of the ones he, you know, uh, what was it? It was like a top quarterback prospect. Was it Paxton Lynch a few years ago from the Broncos? Like he was starting in this one. So it's, it's given some guys a chance to, continue playing, you know, even if their journeyman career in the NFL hasn't panned out. I don't know if it would propel them back up, but I don't know. I think it's kind of bridging the gap between college and the NFL. So like it's they, they don't really have a minor league, but I don't know. I feel like maybe this could be it uh, yeah. for those guys that are kind of in between, you know, instead of like an NFL practice squad, maybe you play for the XL. I don't I don't know if some guys would 
put themselves all right like no i'll just I'll, i don't know because there's probably a, there's already a, a distinction of well if you play in the xfl just forget about the nfl man you got to stay in the nfl you know keep that mindset i don't know i i can see that happening but because it is different but i mean it's it's football it's competitive it's it's pros coaches and players so um well i mean don't forget don't forget that uh what pro bowler this year and and you know NFL, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to say star, but but a guy who who got a lot of notoriety this year, Cavante Turpin, came from either the XFL. I, I forget because they have so many leagues and they've crashed and they come back and they all did all this, but he was either USFL or XFL last year and, you know, had so many great highlights as a punt returner for um, whatever team he was on that he was picked up by the Cowboys and and, you know, that now made the Pro Bowl. And and so and you know was making great plays all through the season in the playoffs. Um, I I I think yeah I think there's definitely a a uh, a proven you know kind of avenue if you can if you can make a name for yourself in one of these smaller leagues. And I like it. I like that. I think you're right. I think that that I think that if they if they play their cards right, whether it's the USFL or the XFL or both of them, there's a definitely a chance to be. Um, a better alternative than just grinding away on the practice squad. Right. And the, the rock is, is backing this one again. He's their guy, but I think that this year, this version of the XFL has some sort of backing and connection to the actual NFL. I may be wrong on that, but I think they're treating this a little bit more seriously in terms of like development. So uh, I guess that's good for the players if they have actual NFL scouts and investment, watching them and thinking about promotions, uh, because like you mentioned, Tommy reps against other good, but not elite players is better than, yeah, you're kind of just sitting on the practice squad and running scout team all week. And, and plus it gives the fans something to watch in the off season. So, uh, if the interest is there in terms of in-person and TV viewership, then, uh, all, all the more football is, is better. And then I think the USFL season is scheduled to begin in April or something like that. Yeah. So they're, they're transitioning to year round football, which is something you can't really complain about too much. Now, I was going to ask you guys about that. I mean, I wanted to, I was going to talk about some of the specifics of the, the, the differences in the games, but I did think about it because like, you know, we're starting this in February that the other league plays later. Like, do you think it would only ever exist in this time of year when there is no football or like, could it ever time out? Like, what if they played all their games on a Wednesday night, but in the fall, you know? Well, have you have you seen that that thirty for thirty documentary, the, Who Killed the USFL? That like that was the big thing, and and it has former President Trump in it. He's a big big guy who like owned the um, New York team or New Jersey oh, team. That's right. That's and right. he they had Herschel Walker. Remember they they took Herschel Walker and set it over the NFL. It was a big coup for them. Well, that they say all the all the experts in that. And I mean, I don't know. If it's you know who knows what was what actually killed the, you know the whole the whole premise of the show is who killed the USFL but they say that really trying to compete with the NFL and trying to that they had a good spot in the spring and and you know staying in their lane and saying look we're not, we're not the we're not the NFL we're a a good product that we can put out and people, there's an appetite for football year round and we're going to provide that um that a lot of people say that, that them moving to the uh the fall and trying to do it that way is is really what what kind of 
you know, ruin the league. So I would imagine maybe now, now maybe there is some sort of plan and maybe they've got a, they've got a way to do it differently, but I would imagine, you know, that being like a case study and how to do it, they would say, no, we're going to stay in the spring because it's kind of been tried and didn't happen. Yeah. And I think that might be a little bit overload of football at a certain time. Cause I think what, what kind of works about the football schedule and business model is the weekly games because it's far enough along to where you can kind of talk about it over the water cooler at work on the couple days and build anticipation for the next coming weekend when college is Saturday and NFL's on Sunday. So you're excited. And then they got the Thursday and the month and the Monday night games as kind of the, the sprinkler, but the big Saturday and Sunday, and then you wind down and then you're hyped up for the next one. It's not really like MLB or NBA where just the games kind of day in and day out. And then one game just kind of flows almost meaninglessly into the next instead. Each one is kind of a, it's individual unique event and you, you build up to that. But if there was football every single day, I mean, there's, there's action games on Tuesday and Wednesday for the hardcore fans. But at that point, like if you're watching football every day, then it's hard to to stay focused and, and get excited about like one particular game. Uh, so I think like, like you said, Tommy, it's better for them to try and find their niche uh, and appeal to different audiences at different times. And hopefully it's successful um, because it's good for the, the players and the fans and gives us something to talk about on the podcast, I suppose. Agreed. True. True. Um, and also what I was sitting here thinking about as, as you guys were making your points that, I mean, it's probably more advantageous for the players too, right? Cause you can shine in an off season like February or March where football players are basically doing nothing, right? Like maybe they're walking around throwing stuff, but um, uh, it's like this all leads up to the draft. So it's like, if you have a breakout season in the XFL, I don't know, maybe you'll get some attention when otherwise you wouldn't. Cause during the NFL season, I mean, like you said, it's, it's already so much football already who's going to watch the XFL on like a Wednesday night or I don't know, whenever else they would do it. But yeah, it's um, I just didn't know if there would be a market for it along with the other football season, but it's probably better that it's separate. Yeah. Keep them exclusive. Um, so one thing that I thought was majorly different was how they do the kickoffs. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen it, they have the kicker kicking off kind of by himself and the, the gunners and the blockers are basically split 10 yards apart on, I think, like the 20 or the 25. Mm-hmm. And then there's one guy in the back to catch it and return it. So as soon as the ball is caught, then the then you can engage. But, like, you can't stay off – you can't move off the line until the ball is caught, mm-hmm. which I thought, that's interesting. I can see why they're trying to, I guess, eliminate injuries from gunners coming down full speed and knocking heads – but um, this way, there's there's not that run up, but there's still that you know football pads hitting pads engagement. Um, I think it probably works out better for the receiving team because you do, you're not dealing with any you know field depth issues. Like everyone's on the same line, so you yeah. really only got to be two, maybe three guys. I don't know, maybe a kicker. It, but it almost makes it like a like a like a glorified Oklahoma drill. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which I guess is cool. I don't know. I it's so weird. Like, you know, they've talked about doing different different changes to the kickoff so many times. And like, I honestly I think that the best way, if if we're gonna do if we want to do away with it because of injury and all that, or do away with like the, you know, 
I think the best way to do it is like is basically how the NFL does it now, or the or I guess college too, where you just move it up so far that it's almost always touchback. Because I like I, I don't I don't like, like I, I actually just pulled it up while you were, while we were talking like I w- pull up and watch the XFL kickoff just to kind of see and and like I mean look it's fine and it kind of does the same you know it's like every, you basically always get to like the twenty five to thirty yard line that's about it yeah. but um I, I think that the, the way that a the way that the traditional kickoff looks just having it kind of go out of bounds it just looks better it makes it that makes it feel like football to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you got rid of it completely, then people would be angry about no chance of having an onside kick, which the XFL tries to solve with their option of instead of doing the onside kick, you do like a fourth and 15 from your own 30, I believe, oh. um, which is they they a team converted it this week. I saw a highlight of that, which is pretty cool. Um, so it's a lot of risk. And I think the, the analytics are similar, like the chance of recovering the onside kick is about the same as the chance of converting that, which makes sense. Uh, I think if it was an actual college or NFL game, fans wouldn't be too happy about the possibility of their team, like losing on a fluke fourth and 15, like if the other team just kind of goes for it. So it probably have to be more extreme, like 20 or 25 yards, maybe even, uh, but that, that would still be an exciting play to see. I mean, Joe Burrow dropping back one chance to to pass and, and convert to, to keep it going instead of watching a random bounce of the oblong ball and hoping somebody like iron hands it uh, back to your team. Uh, so, I mean, these rules are fun and the, the game's always changing in, in slight degrees, but it affects the, the overall product over time. True. Yep. Uh, same with uh, how they do their extra points. Uh, I think you mentioned it earlier. They, you can just kick a field goal as normal. You can go for two. You can go for three. I, I think there's one after that too. Um, I think it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's crazy. But if you, if you go for two, you know, that's normal. But if you go for three, you got to do it at the 10 yard line. Mm-hmm. And just going back to what you were saying about odds of making it, uh, it's like, yeah, like that, that would, that could save you a possession, but like your odds of getting a touchdown from the 10, when they know you only have one play to do it. Uh, I don't know. I think that might set up more in the defense's favor you know, just in the overall odds. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I, the, I feel like it's all, it's so gimmicky and like, it's fine. I, that's why it's, that's why this game should be played in the fall. I mean, in the, in the spring, do whatever you want. I don't have a problem. You know what I mean? Like make your own rules, but like, but play in the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, uh, there, you know, there, there wasn't too much. Uh, I don't think, at least I didn't see any names just from the game I watched. Too much LSU representation, but I did see John Trey Kirkland. He was doing well, and they did mention uh, the bowl game where he played quarterback. And of course, there was some mention of well, he played uh, he played at LSU wide receiver at the same time as uh, Jamar Chase and blah 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 blah. Justin Jefferson. I'm like, of course you have to mention that, but I mean he's just mentioned John Trey Kirkland. He's got his own story. Yeah, the guy's great. Uh, I'm I'm happy for him. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's some other names. AJ McCarron was playing quarterback, Paxton Lynch, like we talked about. Um, you had uh, Wade Phillips coaching the Houston team. You know, he was, he was a coach for a while. But, uh, Cowboys, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. He was head coach. I was going to say he's defensive coordinator, but he was head coach at one point. You're right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but 
And then Terrell Buckley was the coach of the opposing team in that game. He was like a top five pick uh, for cornerback. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys getting opportunities. Uh, Terrell Buckley's never, I don't think he's ever been a head coach before. So, you know, it's, it's given other guys an opportunity, not just players. So, all in all, I think it's good. We'll see how they do, like if they can survive. It is, a, you know, it's a money issue when it comes to it. Yeah. Um, but other than that, what do you guys got? You see anything else we didn't talk about? I think that's about it. Um, got four baseball games on the on the roster for this week, so excited about that. Starting tomorrow against Southern, I think there's some weird streaming package with the Round Rock Classic, so it might be difficult to watch it. I think it might be one of those like you got to pay. Oh, I think um, you're right. I think you have to pay like directly to the Round Rock people. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit unfortunate. So it might be just be catching up on Twitter or something, but yeah, uh, or listen to the radio, old school on the boombox. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but either way, good luck to the Tigers. Listen to the Tigers Sports Radio Network. Um, yeah, yeah, there we, there is that. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to ask you guys because uh, you know the NBA All Star Game was yesterday. It's too bad. Kim Thomas wasn't able to go since he like had a great string of games, like what three 40 point games in a row. Um, there was no LSU flair there last night, but did you see the final score? It was like 180 something to 170, 184 to 176 or something. Like yeah. that's just astronomical. And I, I only, I mean, I watched a few minutes of it just to see what it was about. Cause I have not checked out one of these in a while, but it's just, it's basically just, just a shooting competition. Yeah, it's a practice. <laughs> Just see who can score as quick as possible in the most flamboyant way, or not flamboyant, you know. Just well, in the coolest way. Yeah, and that's that's all it is. That's I don't know. Would you would you pay whatever those tickets are to go? No. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a spectacle in its own way, and you kind of know what you're yeah. getting yourself into. Just watching the players throw it up there. Um, not a whole lot of defense going on. And and that's enjoyable. It could be, but I think I'd rather watch a, a try and be a competitive game. Yeah, I don't know. There was there was a lot of guys shooting from like between three point arc and half court, just just because it became a thing. You know, it's like they were popping threes and doing like alley oops and one on one dunks, and that's what I mean, that's that's fine. Like you said, if that's if that's what the game is now, you know what you're getting. Uh, but why not put if they're gonna pop threes from almost half court, just put like a five point little like a little circle out there, like with the globe trotter CCD, exactly. Yeah, like the XFL would do, exactly. Yep, <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'd be okay with that. I, I mean, yeah, sounds yeah. good to me. Okay, what else, guys? Is that is that it for us tonight? We get it all. I think that's it yeah enjoy uh mardi gras day tomorrow it might be in the past by the time this podcast is out but yeah 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 that's about it from us do you uh do you guys plan to give up anything for lint you know for lint yeah i'm not really a catholic but i I like the idea of giving up something so i'll do that from time to time okay yeah i'm not catholic either but i hadn't planned on it yeah one year I gave up fried foods. I think one year I gave up like beer or something. I don't know. Just just to see if I could, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I hadn't thought, I hadn't thought about it this year, so I probably won't. But if, if the mood hits me, I'll let you know next week. 
Okay, and then we'll keep you accountable on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you and all of our listeners. What if you gave Uh, up the podcast? I expect nothing. Uh, (laughs) I guess I'll let you know tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, All right. But um, having said that, uh, I think that'll do it for us here on Talking Ticks. Hope everyone has a great week. Safe Mardi Gras and all that. Um, Tune in next week. We'll have some more LSU baseball. We'll have what's left of the LSU men's basketball and uh, women's basketball season and anything else that comes down the pike. So until then, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Peace.